Blog Talk Radio. His Hall of Fame numbers are staggering. Nearly 800 career home runs. Blasting baseballs out of ballparks like they were rockets. A skilled defensive catcher, he was a master at handling pitchers, and his powerful arm cut down opponents on the base paths. Josh Gibson's performance on the baseball diamond made Pittsburgh the epicenter of the Negro Leagues. So many legendary tales. If he wasn't the best baseball player of all time, he was clearly the best player never to make the big leagues. and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sports. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio, but we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live, and I'm your host, John Spoolis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday program, the 23rd day of February 2023. This time next week, we'll be into February, actually next Wednesday. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio, and today our show is about a special baseball player, a special athlete, and that is uh, Josh Gibson, baseball's wonder boy. That's what they call them. And, um, you know, for the names uh, of these players who played in the old Negro Leagues, this is well before uh, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier for the Brooklyn Dodgers and uh, paved the way for uh, African Americans to be able to play the game and thus uh, really came uh, to the end of the Negro Leagues as as we knew them. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of the great, great players of the Negro Leagues were unrecognized, including Josh Gibson. I've had uh, conversations with people who consider themselves baseball aficionados, and they didn't know who Josh, uh, Josh Gibson was, which is interesting. you know. And that's one of the reasons is because it has not been that long that Major League Baseball recognized, for the most part, uh, the efforts of these great players who kind of toiled uh, with these teams. And uh, Josh Gibson was one who uh, supposedly hit a home run in Belmar, New Jersey, where the post office is. There's still a field there, and that's where uh, he had played one of the games, supposedly over uh, 500 feet. And there were supposed witnesses there. Now, the Negro Leagues didn't keep great records. It's almost like the uh, early NFL. Not a lot of great record-keeping in the beginning. Uh, You know, there was a situation where Jim Thorpe, the great uh, Olympian of 1912 in the Stockholm 
Olympics, who King Gustav said, sir, you are the greatest athlete of all time. And I remember the reply. Uh, he kind of looked at him. Uh, Jim Thorpe looked at the King uh, kind of coyly and said, thanks, King. <laughs> you know, one of those uh, great answers uh, to a great compliment from, uh, from the King of uh, Sweden is where the uh, 1912 Olympics were held in Stockholm. But uh, Thorpe was supposedly have to kicked a 70-yard field goal. Now, in those days, I'm not sure the way they did it because uh, he could have drop-kicked it. They did a lot of drop-kicking where they dropped the ball on the ground and then kicked it. Uh, so I don't know that he used the tee. I'm not sure if there's a lot of research. But people said they saw it, but there's no record of it, really. And so, you know, a lot of the exploits of Josh Gibson, many baseball historians and aficionados question because there's no real documentation, although there has been handed down that Josh Gibson had over 800 home runs. You know, it was interesting because the greatest players in those days were Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, and they all admired. I mean, Babe Ruth knew what was going on in the other leagues. He was not a stupid man by any stretch of the imagination. And he knew about Josh Gibson, and he said uh, very firmly at one interview, he said, I think Josh Gibson is the greatest baseball player of all time. And then he captioned that by saying, I think he's the greatest baseball player I've ever seen. So apparently, uh, I don't know if Babe Ruth actually saw him or heard about him. Uh, not too many white people attended Negro League games. But uh, to say that uh, about Josh Gibson from one of the great players of all time, who will always live in history, uh, Babe Ruth is really a compliment to this uh, extraordinary player. And, you know, it's very, very possible that Josh Gibson could have been better than Babe Ruth. We'll never really know because we don't have the stats. And as I said, a lot of the Negro League uh, stats are uh, kind of shady, uh, you know, not uh, up to date and so forth. So, who is this guy? Who was this wonder boy of the Negro Leagues who everyone knew uh, in all of the cities that represented these uh, great leagues? So he was uh, born 1911. He died in 1947, and he was an American baseball catcher, spent most of his life in the Negro Leagues. He didn't play uh, a, a lick for any Major League Baseball team, and historians consider Gibson among the best power hitters and catchers in baseball. So in 1972, if you remember uh, when they started, MLB started to uh, recognize the Negro Leagues, he became the second Negro League player to be inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So he played for the Homestead Grays from 30 to 31. Then he played for the Pittsburgh Crawfords from 32 to 36. Went back to the Grays, which were a pretty perennial team in the Negro Leagues from 40 to 41, actually 37 to 39, 42 to 46. In 37, he played for the uh, Trujillo uh, Dominican League, and from 40 to 41, he played in the Mexican League. So he served as the first manager of uh, Santurce, one of the most historic franchises of the Puerto Rican Baseball League. And with that, Gibson was known as a spectacular power hitter. And by some accounts in the research, he hit close to 800 home runs, career home runs. He was known as the Black Babe Ruth. And in fact, some fans at the time who saw both Ruth and Gibson called uh, Ruth the White Josh Gibson. 
So he never played, as I said, in the major leagues because of an unwritten gentleman's agreement that prevented non-white players from participating. And he stood 6'1", weighed about 210 pounds at the peak of his career. He was the first player since Oscar Charlson to win consecutive batting triple crowns, leading the league at home runs, runs batted in, batting average, and no batter has achieved that feat since. So on December 16, 2020, Major League Baseball announced that it will now recognize Negro League records in giving uh, Gibson the second-highest single-season Major League batting average at 466. That was in 1943. Incredible. Just incredible. So he was born in Buena Vista, Georgia. Um, he had a younger brother, fellow Negro leaguer Jerry. He had a sister. 23, moved to Pittsburgh, and his father found work in the Carnegie, Illinois Steel Company, entering the sixth grade in Pittsburgh. Gibson prepared, of all things, to become an electrician. He attended the uh, Pre-Valley School in Conroy Provic, uh, School, the uh, vocational school. His first experience playing baseball for an organized team came around 16 when he played third base for a amateur team sponsored by Gimbel's department store. Those of us who are old enough remember Gimbel's. Uh, where he found work as an elevator operator shortly after he was recruited by the Crawdads of Pittsburgh. And in 1928, we're still a semi-professional team. So the Crawfords controlled Gus Greenlee, were the top black semi-professional team in Pittsburgh area and would advance to fully professional major uh, Negro League status by 1931. Now, the Negro League, as most of I think you know, is, was not a amateur league, was not a minor league. It was a professional baseball league. Uh, separate from Major League Baseball. So, of course, in 28, he meets Helen Manson, or Mason, who he uh, married in 1929. And when he wasn't playing baseball, he worked at Gimbel's after he had given up his plans to become an electrician and pursue a baseball career. So in 1930, the 18-year-old Gibson was picked by the Memphis Red Sox for a game in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Despite going two for four, Sox manager... Jim Taylor was not impressed by Gibson and said afterward that he would never be a catcher. How many times have we heard that, you know, the, the somebody putting somebody down and they end up being, you know, it reminds me of the um, band Kiss. I saw an interview the other day with Gene Simmons, uh, who was really iconic. You know, his mother was in a concentration camp in, in uh, Europe uh, during the Holocaust. Uh, he was born in Israel, came to the United States. And uh, I don't know how many people told me he was a public school teacher, not to get away from Josh Gibson, but to give you kind of an idea of people's stupidity sayings. And they told him that he wouldn't, you know, that the band idea that he had with theatrical makeup and, you know, all of the wardrobe that Kiss wore would never go over. You know, there'll be a flash in the pan. And Kiss today is, I think, probably third next to the Beatles and the uh, Rolling Stones for the amount of income that they've drawn. Uh, Gene Simmons is worth uh, an extraordinary amount of money, an, an excellent businessman. And, you know, I don't know how many times he was told, it'll never work. And that's what Josh Gibson heard. Uh, you know, you don't really have what it takes. So then he was recruited by Cumberland Posey. He was the owner of the Homestead Grays, which were the preeminent Negro League team in Pittsburgh. He debuted with the Grays on uh, 1930, July 31st, and on August 11th, Gibson's wife gave birth to twins. Uh, she went into premature labor and died, unfortunately, and uh, Helen's parents, 
the wife of Josh Gibson uh, continued to raise the kids. So the Negro Leagues generally found it more profitable to schedule relatively uh, few league games and allow the teams to earn extra money through barnstorming. That's what happened in the early days of the NFL. When they had Red Grange for the Chicago Bears, they would barnstorm. They would hit all these towns, uh, unlike today where they play one game in the NFL. In those days, they would play several in a week. Uh, so that they could uh, make a lot of money for the franchise and, of course, be able to pay their stars like Red Grange. So they would do this barnstorming against semi-professional and other non-league teams, and it's important to distinguish between records against all competition and records in league games only. For example, against all levels of competition, Gibson hit 69 home runs in 1934. In the same year, in 52 league, he hit uh, 11. So in 33, he hit 467 with 55 home runs and 137 games against all levels of competition. And his lifetime batting average is said to be higher than 350, with other sources putting it as high as 384, the best in Negro League history. And in 2021, it was announced by Major League Baseball that Negro League's 1920 to 48, and that's about where 48 is about where they ended uh, with the addition of uh, Jackie Robinson. So that would formally be recognized, they would formally be recognized as a major league. And ongoing research by baseball reference tabulated that Gibson led his league three times in batting average and once for all major leagues. Most notably hitting 417 in 1937. He also led six times in on-base percentage and slugging percentage eight times. So Gibson's Hall of Fame plaque claims he hit almost 800 home runs in league and independent baseball during his 17 career year. And this figure includes the versus semi-pro competition and in-exhibition games. And according to the Hall's official data, his lifetime batting average was 359. It was reported that he won nine home run titles and four batting championships playing for the Crawfords and the Grays. And it's also believed that Gibson hit a home run in a Negro League game at Yankee Stadium that struck two feet from the top of the wall circling the center field bleachers. That's about 580 feet. From home plate. Incredible. So the Chicago American Giants infielder Jack Marshall, he said Gibson slugged one over the third deck next to the left field bullpen in 1934 for the only fair ball hit out of Yankee Stadium. And there's no published or film account to support this claim. And the Senators owner Clark Griffith said that Gibson hit more home runs in Griffith Stadium, distant left field bleachers, than the entire American League. In a 2020 article published by the Society of Baseball, American Baseball Research, provides the supporting details for his homers in Major League Parks. So the true statistical achievements, really, of the Negro League players may be impossible to know, as Negro Leagues, as I said earlier, did not compile complete stats or game summaries. So based on the research of historical accounts performed for the Special Committee on Negro Leagues, Gibson hit 224 homers in 2,375 at-bats against top black teams, 2 and 56 at-bats against white major league teams, and 44 and 450 at-bats in the Mexican League. So John Hallway lists Gibson with the same home run totals and a 351 career average plus 21 for 56 against white major league pitchers. According to Hallway, Gibson ranks third all-time in the Negro Leagues in average among players with 2,000-plus at-bats, trailing only Judd Wilson and John Beckwith by one, Wilson by three. 
and Hallway lists him as being second to Mule Suttles and homers, though the all-time leader in home runs and at-bats by a considerable margin with a homer in every 10.6 at-bats to one every 13.6 runner-up Suttles, Mule Suttles. He was one of the uh, top players, again, in the Negro League. So recent investigations in Negro League stats using box scores from newspapers from across the United States have led that estimate that although as many as two-thirds of Negro League teams' games were played against inferior competition, and that's uh, as traveling exhibition games, Gibson still hit between 150 and 200 home runs in official Negro League games. And though this number appears very conservative next to the claims of almost 800 to 1,000 home runs, the research also credits Gibson with a rate of one homer for every 15.9 at-bats, which compares favorably with the rates of the top nine home run hitters in Major League history. So the commonly cited home run totals in excess of 800 are not indicative of his career total in official games because the Negro League season was significantly shorter than the Major League season, typically consisting of fewer than 60 games per year. And the the additional home runs cited were most likely accomplished in unofficial games against local and non-Negro League competition of varying strengths, including off-sited barnstorming competitions. So in nine of his seasons played in the Negro Leagues, he was elected to the East-West All-Star Game 12 times, which included double-duty appearances in 1939, playing at Comiskey Park, the old White Sox Park, and of course the old Yankee Stadium. And in 42, Yankee Stadium and Griffith Stadium, and 46, Griffith Stadium and Comiskey Park. So with all of the uh, uh, great, uh, you know, compliments that went his way, uh, Babe Ruth, of course, talking uh, greatness about this great player, his plaque at the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, considered greatest slugger uh, in baseball leagues, power hitter, uh, hit almost 800 home runs, credited with uh, keeping the Negro League alive, and this is what it says on his plaque. So in early 1943, Gibson fell into a coma, and he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and after regaining consciousness, he refused the option of surgical removal and lived the next four years with reoccurring uh, migraine headaches. And in 1944, he was hospitalized in Washington, D.C. at Gallinger Hospital for mental observation. And then on January 20th, 1947, he died of a stroke at only 35 years old in Pittsburgh. He was buried at the Allegheny Cemetery in Lawrenceville neighborhood of Pittsburgh, where he lay in an unmarked grave until a small plaque was placed in 1975. Isn't it amazing? You know, you have, uh, you know, people who've accomplished far less than him have these mausoleums in their names, and the guy who was one of the greatest players of all time had uh, just a little marker. Uh, we do have a picture of his grave on our slide presentation on the show. You can see it. It is in Pittsburgh, and uh, it's like Vince Lombardi's grave in Middletown, New Jersey. Every time you go there, uh, there's a little helmet of uh, the Packers. Some people will leave a Washington Redskin helmet where uh, Lombardi went after his tenure in Green Bay. And when you go to Josh Gibson's grave, those people who know who he was, you'll see uh, a Homestead Gray uh, hat there, uniform hat. You'll see a baseball. You'll see a bat. You'll see notes taped to his uh, plaque. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, you can visit that in the Lawrenceville section of um, 
Pittsburgh, also in the uh, Oakland section of Pittsburgh. And if you haven't been to Pittsburgh, not to get off uh, the uh, story here, but of course, uh, Josh Gibson's career and life was there. Um, in the Oakland section, the remaining wall of old Forbes Field is still there. Uh, it's adjacent to the uh, University of Pittsburgh. As a matter of fact, in the University of Pittsburgh, one of the buildings, you'll see the actual official home plate of Forbes Field, the home of the Pirates. And uh, in October, uh, whenever that date was, it was in October, where Bill Mazeroski hit the famous home run in 1960 to defeat the uh, Yankees. And upon watching the ball sail uh, for the home run, Mickey Mantle said, uh, I never felt so upset in my stomach as I did when as I watched that game, uh, that ball sail over the fence uh, for the Game 7 winning uh, home run that put the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, as champions. And you can visit that wall. It's still there. And people get together in early October and replay Bill Mazeroski's uh, whole, uh, historic home run. Most of the people are are you know well into their senior years, but they bring their grandkids and try to pass on the legacy. And I guess you know because of uh, the Pirates being one of the charter members really of baseball, have had very few championships. And so that's how most of the Pittsburgh fans and you know it sucks to be a Pirates fan today uh, with the owner uh, Robert Nutting who could care less about the fans and. Uh, you know, the last acquisition they had uh, was Chris Archer, who, who who really didn't do anything. And then they gave up quite a bit uh, to get him. And uh, the sad state of uh, Pittsburgh Pirates resumed. But that's what happens uh, in October. And, of course, you can visit in the Lawrenceville section um, the grave of the great uh, Josh Gibson. So the legacy, even though Jackie Robinson became the first black player in modern major history, uh, in April of 1947, of course, Larry Doby, he broke the American League color barrier uh, that July. He felt that Gibson was the best black player in 1945 and 6. Doby said in an interview, one of the things, and I quote, one of the things that was disappointing and disheartening to a lot of the black players at the time was that Jack was not the best player. The best player was Josh Gibson. Gibson, I think that's one of the reasons why Josh died so early. He was heartbroken, end of quote. And that was from uh, Larry Doby, who was the first uh, American League player, uh, black American League player. So in 72, Gibson and Buck Leonard became the second and third players behind Satchel Page. Of course, that's a name that we know. Inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame based on their careers in the Negro Leagues. Gibson's Hall of Fame plaque claims almost... 800 home runs for his career, although this number cannot be substantiated. And although validation of statistics continues to prove difficult for Negro League players, the lack of uh, verifiable figures has led to various amusing tall tales about players like Gibson. An example of such, in the bottom of the ninth at Pittsburgh, down a run with a runner on base and two outs, Gibson supposedly hits one high and deep so far into the twilight that it disappears, apparently winning the game. And the next day, the same two teams are playing again now in Washington. And just as the teams have positioned themselves on the field, a ball falls out of the sky and the Washington outfielder grabs it. The umpire yells to Gibson, you're out in Pittsburgh, and this was yesterday. That's, uh, that's one of the tall tales. So the U.S. Postal Service issued a 33-cent stamp commemorating uh, and which features uh, the painting of Gibson and includes his name. And in 2000, he ranked 18th on the Sporting News list of 100 greatest players, the highest ranking of five players that have played all or most of their careers 
in the Negro Leagues. The others were Satchel Paige, Buck Leonard, Cool Papa Bell, and Oscar Charleston. And he was nominated as a finalist for the Major League Baseball All-Century team in the same year. At PNC Park, and if you haven't been there in Pittsburgh, a beautiful place. It's too bad that the team isn't that good, but uh, it's a beautiful place to watch baseball. Home of the Major League uh, Pittsburgh Pirates MLB franchise, uh, an exhibit honoring the city's two Negro League baseball teams was introduced in 2006. It's located by the stadium's left field entrance and named Legacy Square. And the display featured statues of seven players who competed for the Homestead Grays and the Pittsburgh Crawfords, including uh, Josh Gibson. In 2015, really without any public announcement, the Pirates removed all seven statues from the Legacy Square area. Ultimately, they were donated to the Josh Gibson Foundation and sold at auction to benefit the foundation. So most of the statues that were originally located at Legacy Park at PNC Included Gibsons are now displayed at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. If you're ever there in Kansas City, it's quite a place to visit. They have some very, very knowledgeable uh, people there who can talk about it. Lots of cool pictures and uh, memorabilia from uh, those great players. So in 2009, a statue of Gibson was uh, installed inside the center field gate of Nationals Park, along with ones of Frank Howard and Walter Johnson. And he was named to the Washington Nationals Ring of Honor for his significant uh, contribution to the game of baseball in Washington, D.C. as part of the Homestead Grays on August 10, 2010. Ammon Field in Pittsburgh was renamed Josh Gibson Field in his honor and as site of the Pennsylvania State Historical Marker. And his son, Josh Gibson Jr., ironically played baseball for the Homestead Grays. His son also instrumental in forming of the Josh Gibson Foundation. You can go online and hear about that and read about it. And also an opera was based on Josh Gibson's life, The Summer King, composed by Daniel Sonnenberg. That premiered on April 29th, 2017. And so uh, that is a look at uh, one of baseball's uh, you know, really premier players, Josh Gibson. Now, we, you know, as fans have heard of the likes of Satchel Paige, and, of course, you know, then uh, baseball was already pretty well consummated with black players in the uh, late 50s. The great uh, Roberto Clemente was part of that pirate organization, one of the great, great players of all time, whether you're a pirate fan or a Yankee fan or whatever you are, it's hard to not acknowledge the accomplishments of the great Roberto Clemente, a 3,000 um, hitter. Uh, he, he did that in the last uh, season of his life back in 71, I believe it was, 72. Uh, a plane crash claimed him. He was taking uh, supplies to Nicaraguan earthquake victims, and uh, one of the great players of all time, uh, you know, perished in that. Uh, they never did find his body. Manny Sangan, who was uh, the catcher, for the Pirates and an accomplished scuba diver actually went into the waters to try and find the remains of Roberto Clemente and uh, uh, no such uh, luck uh, came about. So you had Willie Mays, you know, and then you had some of the uh, Dominican players, you know, Juan Marichal. And so uh, you've got a lot of ethnic players now that make Major League Baseball what it was, certainly what it's not today. It's a game that's uh, been masked by uh, – in my view, stupidity, uh, in their view to try and make things faster and kind of the woke look uh, that even approaches sports. 
you know, the uh, size of the bags have been increased and they're talking about they've been using it the last couple of years in the minors, uh, you know, in a, a pitch clock. They're talking about uh, automated umpires. Uh, you know, they did away with the shift, which was a disaster. Uh, they did away with the intentional walk, uh, which, you know, how much does that speed up the game? So I think the great pioneers of the game, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, Satchel Page and Josh Gibson, Bud Posey, all the great players in the Negro League would probably be turning in their graves to see what's happening to their sport. But nonetheless, if you want to reminisce about what the sport was at one point and some of its great stars, you can uh, certainly go online and see the Negro League uh, Hall of Fame down in, uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, read about some of the great stars that uh, grace the lawns of these fields that most people don't know about. It's uh, kind of a sad thing, but that's the way it goes in sports. Well, we've come to the end of our uh, show today. Thanks so much for joining us on Sports Beat Radio, Talking Sports, where today we talked about uh, Josh Gibson, the Wonder Boy, one of the greatest players uh, to ever play the game of baseball. Uh, particularly known for his prowess of uh, power at the bat. Some people thought that he hit over 800 home runs. Some people thought that he, uh, you know, hit a ball out of Yankee Stadium. Others said he hit a ball 600 feet. Uh, But we do know, even if that's not etched in stone, we do know that Josh Gibson was a name that was highly uh, espoused by uh, some of his contemporaries, Babe Ruth for one, Ty Cobb, some of the great players of the past whose names will live uh, really forever in sports history. Sports Beat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio, and until tomorrow, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you again.